0: 3CR Community Radio, 855am.
1: Hi, you're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network, produced at 3CR Community Radio on Wurundjeri Country. And I'm Nikki Stott. Earlier this year, to celebrate NAIDOC Week, the Indigenous Peoples' Organisation Australia, in collaboration with Better Futures Australia, hosted a webinar series called Heal Country, Heal Climate. Today on the show, we'll hear part three of a three-part episode called Healing Our Lands. This episode is chaired by Wiradjuri and Yamba woman. Dr. Virginia Marshall, and the speakers are Niganamangala Gary Jerry Yaru and Jabba Jabba Man Anthony Watson, Wati Man Kaido Mua, and Wangan and Jagalingu Man Adrian Burugaba.
2: I'll move on to Anthony, but what I'd like to do is also concentrate on some of those issues that we really need to deal with. Um, Anthony, in regards to you know, as Adrian was saying, transferring that knowledge to children and our families and to the wider Australian society because we also need um, other Australians to understand exactly, you know, what we're experiencing on this country. So how can ordinary Australians in non-Indigenous society actually help some of these issues and support some of these issues, not lead these issues, They'll be Aboriginal-led by communities. But how is that possible, Anthony?
3: Yeah, different states are at different levels. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't got treaty here yet, and um, other states have taken the lead on that. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen that um, they've targeted different areas and had different strategies for them, and um, it's sad to see how government is treating the Indigenous First Nation people of Australia in um, different manner. So um, we, one of the richest states, as Cato mentioned, um, the richest state in the world or in Australia, but um, we get treated at a cost of, um, um, at our expense. So um, These are stuff that we need to overturn and we've got our own battles within our state. They're really concerning. Um, I I did go through the process of what Adrian is going through, similar, But, yeah, at least we had um, strong cultural connection because um, within the Kimberley, within the last century, that colonisation came up and all that changes. So a lot of the raw history and knowledge that we still have and Mm -hmm. we fought hard towards the government and industry and we never stood stood back for once. It's um, been a theme towards different regions and get special Mm -hmm. treatments um, than others probably because of their knowledge. Because we didn't have TVs up here in the in the 70s. They started to have coloured TVs in the 80s. But, um, yeah, so we're new towards what all of the other development around Australia. So it's a challenge for us to actually gain a lot of knowledge in how we can work with government, work with industry, in finding our place. So, um, yeah. So you talked about our struggle and how can I mean, non-Indigenous people help um, you in the struggle. So you put our message across towards them to say um, enough is enough. Um, we need um, other worlds or other places around the world that they've got treaty and um, work towards recognising their traditional owners. So Australia is um, coming to grips with that and how um, they're going to sort out our Indigenous people, I um Um, But, yeah, look at our Facebook page. Uh, We've got more stories that are coming up. And, yeah, just to understand where we're coming from, we're trying to be part of this um, finding how we fit into this Australia community. So if it's the Australian dream, then we need to incorporate it and we need to be treated fairly to be part of that society. But at this stage, we've got government putting up legislation to... um, and lift legislation just to go into the NT with the intervention. So it just pulls off the Act, the Discrimination Act, and went in there and done all of these stuff on false information. We're getting attack on false information by government and ministers are running loose cannon towards making all of these allegations. So that that, that to solve. And these, these sort of issues are...
2: Just as people walked over the bridge, Anthony, that they actually get involved and support uh, Aboriginal people, you know, in these issues. And, you know, Adrian's pointed out a lot of the issues that he has and also Cato. So um, that's the strength of what we need to actually get parliamentarians to listen to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, isn't it? Yeah, the
4: uh, thing that everyone forgets is parliamentarians politicians are the servants of the people mm. and it's up to the people to actually hold their employees to account that's <laughs> simple as that
2: yeah and is this a great way Kato to actually go out there and protest like those old days of nokumbara is that the time again
4: oh, there's i think there's always room for for protest uh, people say oh pro-, you know we don't need protest but The minute you start making uh, deals behind closed doors uh, directly with government, that uh, loses a lot of the accountability. So, you know, there's still a role to negotiate and uh, make agreements, but I think uh, people's movements and uh, getting out and letting our voice be heard is essential.
2: You know, why is it, and, and this is something that a lot of people ask across the nation um, that are are non-Indigenous people, but why is water and and being on country and land so important to us? Um, You know, that's in essence what people really need to understand, isn't it? Like Adrian was saying, you know, being on country, having those obligations. So how can we really put that message out again?
4: Well, it's about uh, humans recalling who we really are and how we come from the land, interact with the land, our resources come from there, our sustenance in all its forms, whether it's spiritual, emotional, psychological, physical, and basically reconnecting with that part of us. So going into living in built-up environments or cities or other places, we often forget these connections, but uh, it doesn't take long before exposure back on country in the environment in within a cultural framework as well. That helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, then you ignite these, uh, you know, things that are firmly part of our DNA. So it doesn't matter what racial background we come from or whatever. All humans have this uh, uh, aspect in our DNA that connects us back to the environment, we're part of it.
2: Absolutely. And Adrian, your thoughts?
0: Yeah. Like, um, you know, I I feel we have to bring all of Australians along with us. You know, the government should be listening to the people. And, you know, uh, the more people that we, you know, can get them to understand about, you know, what we're talking about, how it affects them, that like you know, it's not just a, a, rain, a rainbow serpent story that's connected to the water, that's connected to the animals. I mean, you know, that's that's our, our, you know, metaphysical state of being and understanding of things. You know, we've got to try to get them to understand things scientifically, and you know, it's it's taking a while, it's taking years, but you know, um, science is starting to to meet up in some areas where we're talking about, you know, how things are connected. Uh, song and dance and vibration and all these things, how, you know, our music, you know, connects us. And the thing what I understand is like Aboriginal First Nations people connecting with the land, it makes us better human beings. You know what I mean? And, I mean, that that could be seen as religious. You know what I mean? So, you know, the more that we connect to our culture, the, the stronger that we become and other people can benefit from that by us being removed from it and being dispossessed and them killing and destroying our law and taking away our totems, it takes away our point of reference. And that's that's dangerous, you know what I mean? Then there could be just this ongoing conflict, you know, with the, the settler society, you know, and uh, First Nations people. And it's up to the people. They have to want to come. We can't keep trying to just, just yell at them in the street. They have to want to come and learn. And so I believe that there will be a time and a period, you know, that these people are going to start to want to reach out to us mm. and learn more.
2: Mm. Absolutely. And, and do you find too, like Anthony's mentioned about treaty, Adrian, do you see a- any um, good sense in going down the treaty path?
0: Oh, well, you know, like I mentioned, like um, if we talk about Mabo, then uh, we have to go back, you know, to what Mabo was really About, We do want to make some agreements, but from what I understand, it has to be a financial kind of thing. You know what I mean? So that we're not begging, you know, we're not living in a welfare state, you know what I mean? And if we're brought up to the same living standard, all Aboriginal people in this country brought to the same living standard as average working class Australian, then we can then make decisions for ourselves. While a lot of our people are living below the poverty line, you know they can be forced into making agreements, and so treaty is, is a way to go. But it has to it has to bring us up to this to that social level economically. Mm,
2: that makes total sense. And what about you, Kata? How do you feel about treaty and and its place, um, you know, in the future or you know in another way that can serve us? Mm-hmm.
4: I think Adrian's right. Uh, It's the golden rule. uh, Who who controls the gold makes the rules. Um, My take on the treaty uh, discussion would be to cut through all of our conversations about a republic, about uh, changes to the constitution and all of that. The only time we really need to be seriously talking about a treaty is in the transition of Australia to a republic and a negotiated settlement between the settler peoples and the First Nations on how mm. this modern Australia should uh, be positioned in the world. And that does go back to matters of governance, but it also goes back to matters of control and access to resources. And even the the most basic thing that uh, we could start with is control over our education, because it, Currently, the genocide that's going on is the taking away... See, the the stuff you've heard Adrian talk about, which is quite uh, commonly held amongst uh, people in our generation, uh, with Anthony and myself and others, this connection to country, connection to that culture. But that is progressively getting whittled away in each successive generation because we don't have the capacity to pass on and teach our children in those ways. So what I'm so lucky and fortunate to be is an Aboriginal person alive today, having access to that cultural knowledge. I fear for future generations. And I think that's one of our treasures that we can share with the entire world is this perspective that we have about our place in the universe at the particular sites that we... Live on and occupy. And that's essentially what it's all about. I mean, when we're talking about heritage and sites and all of that, our responsibility as custodians for those places is basically how those sites of immense spiritual, metaphysical power interact with the dynamics of the universe. And that's the part of the responsibilities that we hold. So, you know, political solutions like treaties and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, would go to, uh, you know, addressing those political solutions. But I think in the hearts and minds and spirit, uh, we need to really double down on ensuring that our wisdom that we inherit from our elders can be passed on to our future generations and through the appropriate channels to other non-Indigenous people.
1: You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network.
2: So how how important is it to everyone to actually work with other Indigenous peoples in the United Nations Permanent Forum or the Human Rights Council or or other international um, uh, exchanges? How how important is that to actually realise us being back on our land again? How important is that?
4: It's okay. critical, It's, um, but it, it is a, uh, I mean, we're going through it and you think of it, it see the Jugun, so I go back to jugun. There's a hair belt lying at a level within the cave that's 5,000 years old. There are descendants of that DNA t- testing, descendants of that uh, person whose hair went into making that belt alive today. Uh, 5,000 years ago, we're talking about an Australia that's only just over 200 years old. So the stuff that we as Indigenous peoples hold and share across the world are insights and understandings that uh, transcend the temporary capitalist sort of market force-driven uh, political agenda. And I think what's going on at the moment, you see with the and this is where it's important in uh, environmental debate and futures and all of that, is nature resets. We have lived through, as Indigenous peoples in Australia, we've lived through multiple environmental changes. So climate change is nothing new to us. It's in our rock art, it's in our oral histories, it's in our traditions. But it's only uh, of concern, really, to the ignorant who have no knowledge and therefore they engage in fear. So that that's the thing that's, and that's the, you know, essentially, I mean, I might be speaking out of turn, and look looked at Adrian and Anthony, but um, it's the thing that we can contribute to the world at large and other Indigenous peoples around the world can do the same.
2: And do you feel the same way, Anthony and Adrian? Is that sort of something that you would also see as a,
3: a positive influence yeah. yeah they they um need to know the stuff that we're really fighting for mm-hmm. um, when we went through our nano title that um it's when the land was soft that um a lot of the mountains and rivers got created mm-hmm. it was our society um and this is thousands and thousands of years of knowledge mm-hmm. and practice so during the court proceedings, we had to demonstrate that we still continue to practice those, those knowledge those, those, um, of our heritage, and that created a society where part of our Dreamtime stories, plants and animals, was in our story, and we had to respect those stuff. So mm-hmm. that's my growing up into saying that that was our society before colonisation came in, and um, that all got changed. So overnight it got changed. Uh, and they are expecting us to forget our connection to country. Uh, I just feel it really um discriminant um, to trying to wipe our race out. And we're the people of the Kimberley that had a society that been living here because of the new laws come in place. They want to take our land away and for us to have no say on it. We as a race within the Kimberley, where do we fit? So we. We're fighting with government for our livelihood, for our future. We've got all of these challenges that are coming into our region, which is just outrageous. So we need to do settlements within our region, and treaty of settlements, but we need to tell the story. We're involved with the, the UN, uh, with the conversation, with the voice and such, and the, and the constitution Growing up in, the, in our community and our constitution, we didn't say that family is left out because they can't speak or read and write. That's discriminate to certain peoples within our community. So it, the constitution need to recognise everyone, not have all of these laws to actually um, exclude us. We did use the UN because the UN helped us around the world uh, and it conveyed our message with the community closure. They wanted us to to uh, move into towns and wiped all the communities down within the Kimberley and um, the southwest throughout the state. And uh, mm. it was just uncalled for. This state has billions of dollars, multi-billions of dollars, has um, um, survived a crisis and um, probably the only market uh, industry in the world that actually survived and made profit um, out, of the, out of our lands. uh, But that hasn't come back to us. So there are a lot of truth-telling that we need to do towards sorting out the stuff that we want for our region. We want guarantee that um, the constitution need to change. Um, And so there's a lot of settlement that we need to do across the board.
2: So, Anthony, you raised truth-telling and they've also used that as a very important tool in Canada And this is a a call, too, for truth-telling, not only throughout all communities throughout Australia, but as we can hear those stories to also heal and then heal country. How how important is that process to really resetting um, relationship between everyone in this country?
3: I guess... um, um cato knocked it on the head that there need to be an educational process to what we are working towards we want to be recognized we want to have these rights that actually protect us not to um, lock us up in jails we've made recommendation decades after decades that just stood on the shelf and never been used towards addressing our social issues these are in quest that the government um, push forward and still never been listened to. they your answers towards closing the gap and the other social issues that we've got. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel that this government has just shafted everything that we've tried to do in an attempt towards addressing a lot of the social issues and the constitution. And that that need to change. We, we need the Australian... Um, mm-hmm. Public to support us. They they supported us on the community closure, and they need to um, support us with the constitution. Uh, we just want simple things that um, that is been played with by government to um, make us look like a bad people.
2: Mm-hmm. And just a question to everyone: you know, this year particularly, the nation's strengthening languages, Indigenous languages. Um, How important is it not only to our community but also for, as we've seen in um, Taroa, for the Maori, that language, Indigenous language, Aboriginal languages also have a role in our schools, in our high schools and with our community and and with our people teaching? How important is that in Australia?
0: Yeah, I I just think that, um, you know, we're always expected to compromise. And if we don't, they have to coerce us, you know what I mean? And then it, I mean, it becomes violence against us and then forced assimilation and dispossession. Why, why do they ask us to compromise for everybody else, you know? I think the real foundation is t- taking this, this uh, culture and language, you know, to, to schools and educating, you know, the, the general public, but also, you know, strengthening our communities with our young people, to, to say that that culture is a vehicle, you know, that language is a vehicle for culture, and it's very important for our society not to compromise that. And I mean, I've always said that you know, speaking Aboriginal language in this country is a political statement. On the east coast of Australia, in Queensland, uh, our people suffered tremendous, like you know, violence against us. You know, forced us off our land, and you know, my grandfather and father experienced getting floggings and stuff, you know, for speaking their language. But as this resurfaces now and that that old language, you know, is, is being sought and learned, you know, we feel a lot, a lot more pride and self-esteem coming, you know, in our young people. And then, you know, handing that on to the general population. Young, you know, young Australians, kids today, you know, young Australian kids, they, they're hungry and they thirst for knowledge and they want to learn. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, they can help their parents then to, you know, to have a better understanding. But that will be the future. 30, 40 years down down the track, they're going to probably be the, the politicians in the parliament, yeah. you know, and that, that's the way I've always seen it. We can't just keep compromising and bending over backwards for everybody else and just expecting that, you know, they, got, they know what's right for us and they're going to keep doing it. We have to bring what makes us proud and what gives us the strength as a people and be proud of it and stand up and, and assert that and show the world. And if they want to learn, let's show them. Let's take it to the school show we? so. them.
4: Well, Virginia, I wanted to add to that is um, I know Anthony's uh, father, when I first met him many years ago, he can speak 13 Aboriginal languages. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother can speak nine. I'm impoverished. I get away with uh, roughly about three. But it's critical, the comment that Adrian just said, mm. speaking an Australian language. So that's something we need to remember. These are Australian languages. Is a political statement. And here in Western Australia, there's no, absolutely no excuse whatsoever for not teaching Australian languages in the schools in the countries in which those uh, schools occupy. The New Zealand experience, you get crusty Kiwis who are the old colonial settler white fellows who were born before uh, the introduction of Tario into the curriculum. They're a completely different person to the young white Kiwi who's gone through a... Uh, Kariyo program at, uh, in the education system. So speaking language is absolutely critical to any anything, whether it's uh, connection to country, connection to spirituality, connection amongst each other. I mean, the, the whole thing, all our, you notice in the desert, a lot of, a lot of the languages ends with Jara. Jara means with these. So these languages are with that particular term or that uh feature, it's that expression. And so that's how people identify is based on the language languages which are rooted to the land and which were brought there by dreamtime ancestors. So yeah it's it's critical. <laughs>
1: you've been listening to earth matters on the community radio network today on the show we heard part three of a three-part episode called healing our lands and it's from the nadoc 2021 series Hill Country, Hill Climate. This webinar series is hosted by the Indigenous Peoples Organisation Australia at Indigenouspeoples.org.com.au and Better Futures Australia at BetterFutures.org.au. And if you missed part of today's show or you want to check out part one or part two of this episode, Healing Our Lands, You can find the podcasts and all the details of the speakers at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. And if you're already listening via a podcasting service, we'd love you to subscribe. And why not rate us and give us a review to help spread the word? Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous support and the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in getting this show out to you. Earth Matters is produced at 3CR Community Radio in Fitzroy, Nam, And we can be contacted at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. And you can also find us on your socials. But don't forget, tune in next week for more environmental and social justice stories. Billabong Beats, 11am Tuesdays on 3CR.
2: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.